Hey, what's up, everybody? Let me begin by saying Happy New Year, especially to those of you who are watching from my San Jose campus. Uh, welcome back to those of you who are returning uh, from last year, and welcome to those of you who are with us for the very first time. And a huge shout out and happy, blessed 2024 to those of you who are watching vis-a-vis -vis social media. Thank you for engaging with us today. I am praying God's best blessings on all of you, wherever you are, whether you're in San Jose or Hoover, Alabama. I know we've got people watching us from Hoover, Alabama or beyond. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would bless this teaching today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we kick off a brand new series called Not Easily Broken. I want to talk about the different ways that God empowers our lives so that broken life cannot easily break us. Where do we get our resilience from? How do we, how do we work through some of the most difficult challenges that we confront uh, in our living? Well, today we want to begin with just one word, connect. If someone is sitting next to you, just say connect to them. Type it in the chat. If you're typing in the chat, connect. All right, let's get busy. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. The Bible declares that Solomon is the wisest of the wise, King Solomon. Here's what he says. Interesting insight. Two people are better off than one. This is our theme text, by the way, for the whole series. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other one can reach out and help. But someone who feels alone, well, if they fall alone, they're in real trouble. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And then, here's where I want to land. John 19, verse 25 through 27, Jesus is on the cross in the midst of crucifixion. Here's what it says. Standing near the cross was Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he says to the disciple, whose name is John, by the way, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple, John, took her, Mary, into his own home. And there ends the reading. May God bless it. You know, a few weeks ago, towards the end of last year, I was praying about what God wanted me to start this year off. What's serious? What is the point? What was the focus? And I kept hearing the word connect, 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 connect. Can you say connect? As I was praying and thinking about this year, I knew that this was going to be a very difficult year. Here in America, it's going to be an election year. So toxicity, polarization will reach unprecedented height. I'm confident of that. Who knows where it's going to end? Uh, war and terror, I'm sure, will continue to expand. We have natural disasters. They are intensifying and increasing their pace, where they're showing up in unexpected places, like in Japan most recently. You know, the economy. Who knows what's going to happen with the economy. And then there are all the kinds of crises that happen in our own life day to day. And then there are those unexpected losses. For example, uh, just a week ago, one of my beloved cousins called me and told me that her 33-year-old son had taken his life. There was no sign of him isolating, et cetera, et cetera. Woke up one day, and there it is. 
We have all these kinds of things that we will have to contend with. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking about what Bishop Donald Green taught my spiritual father. You know, he taught uh, and preached the last week of uh, 2023. And what he said was that we had to prepare for this year. And among the things we need to prepare for was we need to enter this year knowing that just because we turned the page, the calendar page, doesn't mean that the struggles that we were wrestling were going to go away. Doesn't mean that the world is going to magically get better. No. So we need to be prepared for this year by relying on God. And we need to prepare for this year by being able to ask for help from others and receive it from others. And as I listened to Bishop Green talk, that was the confirmation for what God was saying. But at the end of the day, God was saying, hey, here's what you, I want you to tell the folk, whoever's listening. But in this season, here's how you're going to make it through. You're not just going to make it through, but you're going to survive. You're not just going to survive. You're going to thrive. Here's how you want to do it. You got to connect. You got to connect. You got to connect. At the end of the day, what God is essentially saying is that this is the moment. This is the day that we need to go deeper with God, deeper with others, and deeper with our faith. Somebody say connect. Yes, connect. Now, today I really want to focus on this notion of connecting, going deeper with others. And I'll just give you my big idea. Here's the big idea. Uh, NBCC is moving into our 10th year. uh, And in the beauty of our diversity, who God has made us to be, if you're watching me locally or somewhere virtually, here's what I believe. There's a really good chance that NBCC is God's gift to you. And it's God's gift to you, not just so that you can hear, not because he just wants to feed you through my preaching and, and our team's preaching and teaching. That's important. But it's God's gift to you because there are some dynamic, incredible relationships that is waiting for you to lean in either virtually or in person. It's not sufficient just to drop in every now and then to our San Jose campus, our Ritwood City campus, or just to tune us up every now and then when you're feeling low. No. God has given NBCC to you as a resource for the year. Now, here's the first insight I want you to get. In a sense, we're, gonna go, we're going through some tough stuff, but it ain't really new. And here's why. The world has always been broken, guys. <laughs> and there have been seasons across history where it feels more intensely broken than others. And here's an insight that's worth your taking home. Write it down and take it home. You cannot live a perfect life in a broken world, period. So if you have an ideal or a dream of a perfect life, right, let me just tell you. And if you're pursuing that ideal, that dream, you're going to be disappointed. You were disappointed last year. You're going to be disappointed this year and every year thereafter because you cannot live a perfect life in a broken world. It leaves us with trauma and pain. You know, Taylor Swift is the most popular entertainer right now in this particular season. Everything is about Taylor Swift. And I'm sure that some of you are watching, you've, you've seen Taylor Swift. You say, man, God, I wish I could be like her, man. She's a billionaire. I wish, we could have, I wish I could have her money. She's beautiful. I wish I could have her look. Somebody said, man, uh, uh, she's got all this entertainment, all this fame. Man, she's got the perfect life. Can somebody say, newsflash? She didn't have a perfect life. I promise you that the public may be great, but somewhere in her life, there's some pain, there's some misery, there's some disappointment because she's living life in a broken world. 
So while you cannot live, listen to me, lean in, while you cannot live a perfect life in a broken world, listen, here's what I do know, you can live a faithful life in a broken world. You can live a life that is faithful to the purposes of God, and at the end of the year, you can look back and discern that God has used you to be impactful, to leave footprints of love behind and deep relationships behind. Look at what the psalmist says. Uh, There's a wonderful text to read at the beginning of the year. You, God, crown the year with a bountiful harvest, even the hard pathways. Do you see that? Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. I, I believe that God is declaring to somebody, if you will lean into what we're teaching over the course of the next several weeks, you'll end this year up looking back, and you'll be able to say, God, even the hard pathways you have blessed and have overflowed with abundance. But all this that God wants to do, turning tough pathways into abundance of blessings, making your life fruitful, it's not going to happen vis-a-vis with you doing it alone. Can you just simply say, but not alone? No. You need God, and you need others. And the point that I'm re-emphasizing throughout this message is that God, most often or not, comes to us. His power is activated in our lives. He encourages us, supports us, strengthens us, listen, through others. Through others. Listen, listen again at what our writer here writes, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, two people, he says, two people, better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fell, the other one can reach out and help. Someone who fails along, well, they're in trouble. Why? They're by themselves. Ultimately, three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is hard to break. Not alone. Here's what Paul is describing, I think. What I want to call redwood tree power. Redwood tree power. Here's what I mean, very simply. I just discovered this a few weeks ago. You know, redwood trees grow as high as 350 feet. They can weigh as much as 500 tons, and they they can live as long as almost 2,000 years. Isn't that amazing? And here's what we find to be fascinating. While they can reach heights of 350 feet and weigh 500 tons or more, their roots are shallow, shallow. They only go about 10 feet under the ground. How is it possible for those kind of shallow roots to hold up a tree? And I want to check this out. If they live hundreds and hundreds of years, that means that these trees, that they, they survive winds and fires and storms and earthquakes and prolonged seasons of flooding and drought. How do they do it? How do they survive with such thin roots? Well, here's the answer. The root system is intertwined with other redwood trees. They grow together in clusters and they entwine their roots They entwine their roots beneath the earth. In a real sense, they hold each other up. Can you see the image, right? right? The storm is coming, and the tree is bending, and it's bending, and that tree wants to give up. But the others say, no, we got you, and they hold with the roots. 
Can't you see the image? Lightning comes and flashes and, 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 and slices through the tree, injures its internal operating system, and the tree wants to give up. But the others say, no, we'll provide nutrients. We will provide nutrients to you through our roots to your roots because that's what they do. They, they provide nutrients to one another. That's redwood tree power. That is the image of what God wants for human beings. He made us like redwood trees to be in community, to have our roots, the roots of our lives intertwined so that when the storm comes and the wind comes, come on, and the fire comes and the earthquake shakes beneath us, whether it be grief or trauma or tragedy, and we want to give up, oh, we're not easily broken because those other roots say, we got you. We got you. God works through the roots of others that we are intertwined with. You see the point. <laughs> On the screen, you see a picture of John and Chelsea lobby with their beautiful son, Josiah. The other day, I was talking to them, and they were saying how they were tempted to move, like so many people moving from the Bay Area. There are a lot of reasons for them to move. They would be closer to family. The economics is so expensive to live in the Bay Area, on and on and on. But at the end of the day, they said the one thing that was giving them pause that made it hard to see was they didn't want to leave their church in BCC. You know, they've been with us for 10 years. They've been part of the founding of this congregation. And they have, they, you know, and they have found uh, the roots of others connected with, through life groups, small groups in our church. They were in one life group for a number, then they moved from one geographical area to the next, and they joined another life group. After some period of time, uh, people got sick and other people moved away, and so that group dissolved. But they understood that they needed to be in relationships, so they found another life group. And they serve in the life of the church, and they develop relationships. And so at the end of the day, when I was talking to them, they said, listen, here's the, here, here, here's, here's the ultimate deal. When we, when we show up, we're recognized. We're known because we have all these roots across the church, right? We have people who've prayed with us and prayed us through. We have people who celebrate the victories of God in our lives. And we've had people that we've prayed them through. And we've celebrated the victory of God in their lives. And, on and, on. and, and those roots are deeply intertwined and it, those roots nurture their soul and their family and their marriage that's what God wants for you if you've been around us enough to kind of know us a little bit here at NBCC God says this year don't just pop in and pop out God says start intertwining your roots I said that that's the secret, that's the power, that's, that's where you'll see a new level of faith activated in your life. The faith of others activated in your life. We're going to be working really hard to, to help create extra space for you to intertwine your roots. In February, we're launching a men's ministry because you know what? Men need to intertwine roots with men. And for six weeks in a row, I'm going to be there teaching. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to meet early in the morning. I'm calling all men here locally. And if you're virtual, uh, you can join us virtually. We're going to teach. We're going to bond. We're going to be honest and transparent. And out of that, we're going to create some small groups because men need to intertwine our roots. In March, women are launching their women's ministry for the same reason. Women need to intertwine their roots. We've got a number of life groups that, that are waiting and looking for new people to come and join virtually and in person. This is the season when you need to intertwine your roots. It's great to hear me teach. It's better to intertwine your roots so that we grow.
together. Wow. So here's the resolution I want to encourage you to make at this moment. Simply this. In 2024, I will go deeper in my connection with others and with God. And I want to suggest to you that one of the primary ways for you to go deeper in your roots, with, deeper in with others, with God, excuse me, is by going deeper relationally with others. Now, this doesn't just happen magically. You have to invest in it. The reason why people were there for John and Chelsea in tough times and to pray them through is because they invested and developed relationships during good times. Consistently meeting together in small groups, loving and caring and learning and discovering God in each other's life. Wow. God wants that for you. Now let's turn our attention real quickly to Jesus on the cross. And let me just point out, back to this point that you can't live a perfect life in a broken world. Listen to me. Here's this point. Jesus was perfect in his humanity and he was perfect in his divinity. So from his perspective, in terms of who he was, he was perfect. But he lived that life in a broken world. And as a result, he ended up in doing injustice and trauma and pain and death. And it all is symbolized with him hanging and dying from a cross. And as he dies on the cross, he reinforces, he teaches us the indispensable nature of relationships. Especially, especially, can you say especially? Especially relationships of faith. All faithful relationships are important, and God is at work in all what I call faithful relationships where people believe or not believe, but they are faithful to you. But he is especially at work in your life, in relationships of faith. So here's the question, and I want to, as we begin to look at this text with Jesus on the cross and what he teaches us, how do you not be broken by grief and trauma? Some of us are dealing with grief. Others of us are dealing with trauma from way back. How do you not be broken by that? Here's another question. Uh, How do you go through grief? How do you get through it? Trauma. Because Jesus is dealing with grief and trauma at the worst degree right here on the cross. Here's another. How do you survive it? Not only survive it. Think of those 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 redwood trees. They survived the 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 storm. They survived the earthquake. But you don't just want to survive it. You want to thrive out of it. How do you live the kind of life so that your grief and trauma does not define your life, but rather shapes your life and empowers your life and informs your life so that at the end of the day your life becomes even more fruitful as you become more aware of the value of Loss makes you aware of the value of the people that you have, for example. How? Can you say how? Here's the answer. God and others. That's who you need. God and others. It sounds simple. And yet it's so profound. It's God's secret. This is, this is, this is God's redwood tree uh, connective system for you. God, who oftentimes work through others. It's indispensable. All right. I want to prove to you it's indispensable. But uh, let me first 
Uh, well, let me, let's go here. Let's look at the text. And I'm hustling towards the conclusion. Standing near the cross was Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and the, who's the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. So there's three Marys there. And when Jesus saw the mother, his mother standing there, notice standing there, beside, can you say beside, beside the disciple that Jesus was very close to. That's what it means. He loved. He's the closest to him. Stop. I want to emphasize a couple of things in this text. The three Marys were standing, watch this, near the cross, as close as they could get. Uh, they were standing beside each other, and they together was present for Jesus. Okay, now get this insight. Get this insight. Before Jesus ultimately ends his, his horror on the cross, he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Right? He cries out, Why have you forsaken me? Meaning, he articulates this feeling of being a, 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 a abandoned, and yet he still says, My God. So he's still in relationship. Wonderful insight there, right? But he feels this notion of abandon. And he gives us permission to be honest about our feelings when we feel sometimes that God has abandoned us. And yet, here's what we learn. At the foot of the cross are four people who are weeping with him, who are enduring trauma at the foot of the cross uh, along with him, who are going through pain with him, who are praying for him. And I just want to suggest to you that w the question comes, how was Jesus getting through it? Come on. How was, his, how, was he, how was he making his way through the grief and the trauma? He could look at the foot of the cross and he could see and experience the love of those four people. They were giving him the strength that he needed to get through. And they were going through this together. So they were giving each other the strength that they needed to get through it. They were side by side, each other crying and weeping. And they were at the foot of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? Being strength for the dying Jesus. Wow. All right, let me ask you this quick question. Why do we tend to be reluctant to deepen connections with others? Why do we feel more comfortable just dropping into the church and popping out rather than connecting and building relationships in small groups and serving, getting to know people? Why do we feel more comfortable watching, for example, me on a screen if you're in the local area rather than actually showing up and say, I'm going to get to meet some people, know some people, connect with some people because I'm going to need some people in this year? Why? Well, there are a lot of answers, reasons why. I just want to raise one. Fear. We're afraid of being hurt. We're afraid that we're going to run into a new trauma that replicates the pattern of traumas we've already experienced. Some of us got hurt in churches before. Some of us got hurt in relationships we were in. And so, you know, that matriculates in our lives, right? Some of us got hurt growing up in the homes that we grew up in. Whatever. We just want to get too close to folk especially church folk. Wow. Before I met my wife, I was dating a young woman who I'm going to call, for sake of this message, Susan. Can you say Susan? <laughs> and we dated for about two and a half years. That relationship erupted and ended in uh, trauma and embarrassment and humiliation for me. It was horrible. I couldn't believe that somebody who I've been in a relationship with that long, that all that stuff could come out. I was devastated. 
couple of years later, met and fell in love with Rhonda, married her. But the trauma I had experienced in previous relationship caused me to, every day I woke up, I was waiting for Rhonda to become Susan. I was waiting for her to pour into my life all that trauma and pain. I was waiting for her to wake up and just decide one day, you know what, you're not the right person. Exit. I put brakes on. It caused me to do some crazy stuff in the relationship to try to see could I accelerate. That's what trauma does, right? At some point, I had to learn that Rhonda was not Susan. She was different. She's not per- she wasn't perfect, but she was perfect for me. God had prepared her for me. Wow. Notice this insight. While there are no perfect people in our broken world, there are many helpful people. People that God put in our lives to be helpful, to be a part of our healing, to be a part of the, the, the means through which God encourages us and empowers us. And Rhonda was that unique person for me, right? And when I began to trust in new ways, she began to help me in ways that I couldn't imagine. Notice what the writer says again, what, what King Solomon says. He says, listen, two people are better off than one. Here it is. For they can, there's the word, help each other succeed. If one person fails, well, the other one can reach out and what? Help. I want to suggest to you that NBCC is not full of perfect people. I will even suggest to you we're full of broken people, all of us, are people trying to be redeemed. But I want to tell you that NBCC is filled with people who can be helpful to your healing to encouraging and empowering your life, who can be what I call lovingly helpful. You know, as a pastor, I see it all the time. I see people who are at NBCC who are fighting and going through cancer. But in addition to family members, they have loved ones from this church who's praying them through and encouraging them through and helping them to get appointments here and there because they had developed those redwood tree roots. They're interconnected. I've seen people in hospitals. The family is there to care for them, but the family is being cared for by folk from NBCC Church. Because church is full of people full of kindness and grace and mercy and unconditional love and all of the ways that we are diverse and different. This amazing gift comes beautifully wrapped. I've seen that. I've seen people going through crisis, and because folk were there for them, they have become fruitful. They are now in small groups. They are serving because they want to be there for others. See, it's not just about finding folk there for us. It's about how will we be there for others. That's the uniqueness of the church. You know, there are a lot of different ways to define love. One theologian defines love as this. Uh, love is to will the good for others. But here's a preacher I was just recently reading. Here's how he defines it like this. Love is a rugged commitment to be with and to be for others. There it is. What we see at the cross, those three Marys and John, 
They have a rugged commitment. Everybody else is dispersed. Everybody else is running and afraid for their lives. All the other disciples, all the other folk, the big crowds used to follow you. But no, these four people, they have a rugged commitment to be there for Jesus and to be there for each other. And when Jesus looked down, he experienced love. That rugged commitment that they had, hell to high water, they were going to be there. That's the thing that we love the most about God, right? Because but the scripture tells us that, it, that, that God who shows up in Jesus, you know, when the angel told Joseph he was, that Jesus was going to be born, he says he will save his people from their sins. In other words, Jesus is for you, baby. And that he's trying to rescue us and save us and advocate. on. In Romans, Paul writes that Jesus intercedes for us. He's for you. Okay, how bad you think you are. And, and, and then he's also Emmanuel, God with us. Just came through the Christmas season, right? And we love to be reminded that God is with us in our worst moment of trial. But one of the ways that, that God is uniquely for us and with us is when we're in a community of people who are for us and with us. And those folk who visit hospitals and walk with people through cancer, the people I've just finished telling you about, uh, Chelsea and John and the relationships they have. It's all about the same thing that they have found in NBCC, people who are for them and with them and people for whom they can be for and with. That's love. That's what God wants for you. Now you begin to understand how this text concludes, right? John 19, look, look here. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, John over here, here's your son. He's going to adopt you. You adopt him. He's going to take my place. And he says to John, he says to the son, he says, you see her, Mary? Assume the posture. She's now your mother. Take care of her. Be with her and before her. Mary, you be with John and before him. And I'll be at work in all of you. And from that moment forward, John takes her home. There's one more point I just want to make here, real quick. So often we say all we need is God, which means all we need is something spiritual, which means it's the way we give ourselves permission to be isolated. It's the way that we reinforce the fear in our life of not connecting with anybody else of not making ourselves vulnerable. And I, I want to acknowledge this, that when you connect with others, you do make yourself vulnerable. It is the price we pay to receive and give love. But I say to you, it's worth it. It's worth it. If all you needed was spiritual, Jesus could have just said, listen, here's what, we know this happened. He died. He rose from the dead. He sent the Holy Spirit. Mary's life was filled with the Holy Spirit. So was John and so forth and so on. He could have just said to Mary, hang in there. The Holy Spirit is coming. But Jesus knew that she needed the spiritual empowerment. But she needed that to come also in the form of a person. John. John. Now, Jesus could have said, John, get her to one of my brothers. We know in Scripture he had four brothers, one of whom is James, who would ultimately believe after his resurrection. But maybe Jesus is thinking they don't believe. Well, it's still, in a sense, I just want to pause here. If you have people who are family or friends who are faithful in your life, 
I want to encourage you, go deep in those relationships. Notice the word, if they're faithful. Because God has a way of loving us through people who don't even know God. Right? This is a time to go deep. I got a great text from my son the other day. He said, listen, happy New Year, Dad. And check, guess what? I want to make sure that I'm in closer communication with you this year. Uh, I, want to, I want to lean in. Uh, and I said back to him, hey, that's so cool. I want to do the same for my head. It's awesome to have people in your life, even if they're not people of faith, who are faithful to you. Lean in. But it's even more awesome to have people who are faithful to you who are full of faith for God. Let me just, uh, uh, here's the distinction. Number one, you can have love without faith, and there's a blessing there. But number two, you can have love anchored in faith. Mary went home with John. His, you know, they could wrestle together around their faith questions in ways that she couldn't wrestle with anybody else. She could say, I don't understand why the Father allowed the Jesus to go through this. I don't understand why people would rise up against someone who all they did was all he did was feed the hungry and clothe, you know, and, and heal the sick and so forth and so on. I don't get that. I don't understand this injustice. I don't understand the divine plan here. I just don't get it. And they could wrestle together. And yet, inside of wrestling together, uh, they could also continue to affirm one another's faith. There's nothing like having somebody who creates space for you to be honest about your questions and even your doubts. And, 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 you, and, and people who will say, you know, if they have faith, they'll say sometimes you need somebody who says, you know what, I'll believe for you in, in this season when you don't have the strength to believe. That comes with having people faith in your life. That's the gift that comes with, with going deep in the NBCC, right? Nothing like having someone who's going through the struggle with you who can send you a text that has a scripture that speaks to you, who can send you a song that, that really just illuminates and enlivens and strengthens your heart, that reminds you that at the end of the day, no matter how gloom it looks, that God still is on the throne and that he still has the last word. There's nothing like having somebody in your life who reminds you when you're going through trouble and pain and all of that, right, who God says you are. That you're more than a conqueror. <laughs> that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. <laughs> that you're the, you're the head and not the foot. Come on now. It, it, it's, it's, it's good to have somebody of faith. And it's even better to have three, a group of people of faith in your life. So I want to challenge you to do a couple of things as I come to an end. Maybe you're not ready to get a group inside of NBCC. Well, pick one person. Meet, meet once or maybe every other week. 45 minutes, you know, spend the first couple of weeks sharing each other's story, born, raised, two greatest joys, two greatest pains. Next week, talk about the message I taught. Next week, begin to pray for one another as you walk with each other through your shared journey. And if the two can become three, the text says it's even better. It's even better. I want to end here. And from then on, the disciple took Mary into his own house. How, who is it that reminds you of what God says about you? Who is it that reminds you that God is for you and with you? This is the question you want to ask in your life. You know, the other day, the Lord dropped this song in my life, it's in my heart. It's called uh, You Say by Lauren Dager. And I'm, I'm going to end here. Here's what, she, here's what she sings. 
I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just a sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Oh, you say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. And you say I'm held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I'm yours. And guess what? She says, I believe. Who reminds you of what God says about you? God has provided people in that resource called NBCC. Lean in, link up, and believe. Connect. Amen.